welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. We're back, and I'm Kelso. I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And hi, I'm Sean Bouchard. The man it's, himself. It's Shambo! Shambo's back. Yay. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, gosh, I want to say, when was the last time you were on? Was it when we were doing Walking Sims, or am I misremembering? I am not sh- I I... I'm not 100% sure that I've been on the podcast. <laughs> so if I have, have, it was a long time ago. You have, and I will tell you when it was, because I remember. When was it? Uh, you did half of one of our four in February episodes. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Because we were talking about uh, the, the cat and the, the coup. The cat and the coup, yeah. Got it. Wow, yeah. yes. That was a long time ago, though. That was a long time memories, ago. Memories, memories. Uh, yeah, well, I enjoy the show. Uh I love to listen to it, and every uh, every couple of weeks, uh, I think um, uh, that's an that's an invitation for folks to to come on. Uh, I would love to do that. I should do that. And then I'm too busy to play video games, so <laughs> I'm really yeah. glad that I could be here uh, for this one. This is wonderful. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like when people who make video games for a living uh, tend to never have time to play games yeah. ever and you also teach video games for a living so yeah 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 no i've been uh on to the summer starting so that i could uh, uh uh try to get on one of these episodes nice well here you yeah. are it's summer now it's summer now believe it Some- or not somehow i don't know how it happened um but yeah it's summer now but uh um, the podcast that's fine well yeah i mean i don't think it matters i'm i'm sure i'm sure we're gonna do that in a myriad (laughs) number of other ways including the game we're talking about um (laughs) but i am curious because i have been we have been sort of batting back and forth the idea of maybe playing uh norco on the podcast and i know you all have been playing it on mostly walking so i wanted to ask you how have you been liking norco what's norco like Norco is one of those interesting games uh, that I would put in a category with like Disco Elysium, where uh, I think it is very, very, very good. uh, And the format of mostly walking doesn't do it any favors. Um, So we're enjoying it on the show. We're still playing it. I think we'll we'll finish it. Um, It's going fine. Uh, But I think the game is better than sort of how it comes across in in that show it's a lot of writing uh a lot of like pretty dense dialogue um a lot of uh really kind of um high concept uh tonal shifts uh and um like little asides and pastiches and um things that don't benefit from like playing two hours uh one week and then taking two weeks off and coming back and trying to sort of figure out where the heck we were uh and then having to sort of just read dialogue for uh for a long time so um i i think it's a really good game i think i'm not getting the best experience of it but uh if you understand that that's what it what it is i think it would be great for the podcast okay good to know yeah cool i'm a bit scared of like the amount of dialogue i always am in games like that yes it is um 
I think it's probably not quite as uh, extreme as Disco Elysium is. Um, uh, I think there's there's probably it's a it's a little bit more restrained and pulled back than that, but uh, it not by a ton. It is. <laughs> It's a very, very dialogue heavy game. It's not voice acted, which means that um, if you're just playing it by yourself, you can go through it kind of pretty fast or as fast as you would like to. Um, uh, but yeah, it, 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 there is a lot of dialogue. Yeah, so we, will, we will have to space it out with any of our other more writing heavy games, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. And I have, so I haven't been watching you play because I don't want spoilers, but I have been occasionally sure. tuning in for like the first five minutes where you guys talk about what you've, you've been doing. And <laughs> I did hear you mention you'd also finished Elden Ring. I have finished Elden Ring. That is still sort of the big news over here. Uh, <laughs> I played, I played that game pretty hard. Um, uh, it was, it was kind of wild. I think as a confluence of, um, you know, I needed uh, something to distract me from uh, very stressful things that were going on. And uh, it's a very, very, very good game um, that, oh, that worked pretty well for me. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching I've been watching a, a Let's Play of it instead of playing it because I I need it to be on the in the background while I'm doing other things and not <laughs> taking hours of my life. It is, it's enormous. One of its defining qualities really is um, it's just tremendously big, uh, very, very impressively. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, um, I don't want to say it's necessarily a commitment, but uh, it, it certainly can be. Uh, and it, it has a kind of a siren song. It, it, it wants to lure you into that. Yeah, it definitely feels like a commitment. I think I have played maybe like two sessions of it uh like a month ago and i have not gone back because we've got it on the ps5 uh my boyfriend has it on pc i don't want to buy it again um right. so we we kind of we kind of uh we don't fight over the ps5 but we <laughs> we gotta take we gotta take turns um with the ps5 on the big tv sure um, and yeah as such i have not played very much of it but I've, I don't know, I, I got past, like, Margit, and then I think that was where I was just like, I'm gonna run around. Um, but yeah, a lot of running around, and a lot of, God, it's so easy to get distracted. And that's, like, my issue in any game like that, is um, I just playing for many hours and not doing anything really of consequence, because I'm just running around. I'm taking in the sights, I'm enjoying things. Um, oh, 100%. And yeah. And what I like about that game, so... You know, until six months ago or or something, maybe even less, uh, I had not played any FromSoft games. Um, and I started uh, the Dark Souls 1 remaster uh, and played, I don't know, a, 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 a meaningful amount of that, um, 10 or 15 hours, enough to get a sense of it. Um, didn't finish it because Elden Ring came out. And the thing that I really appreciate about Elden Ring is that it has all of the really tight combat and level design and um, all of these these systems that feel really good to interact with. Um, that damn brilliant bonfire uh, system is is just really really well done. Uh, 
but it is amenable to being distracted. And for me, you know, Dark Souls has, there's this sense that if you are not, uh, if you are not good enough to just like memorize the, the attack animations of these bosses and whatever, uh, then you can grind your way up to a higher level. Um, but that is going to be a grind. You are going to do the same little corridor over and over and over again uh, because the the levels are really, really well designed, but but quite linear. Uh, and um, Elden Ring is is not that. Elden Ring is sort of like I I find a boss and I fight them once and they wipe the floor with me and I say, OK, cool, I'll be back in in 25 hours. Uh, I'm going to yeah. just go do other stuff uh, and then come back when I can one shot this boss. Um, that's going to be great. Uh, and so that, w- that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's also the issue that I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I have never finished a FromSoft game before. I've played decent chunks of the original Demon Souls. I've played a decent chunk of the remake now. I've played a more than decent chunk of the first Dark Souls. And I think that's, I played a little bit of Bloodborne. Um, and I just, it, it's one of those games that it's like, you put it down and you get out of practice. And it's like, God, I don't want to go back to that and like get my ass beat. Um, Mm-hmm. But what was I going to say? I distracted myself from my point here. Dang, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, like, once you get into Dark Souls, like, yeah, there are different directions you can go in. But if you go in the wrong direction, there's a more than even chance that you are just going to be destroyed immediately and mercilessly. Um, and I like right. that that is not the case in right. Elden Ring, is that you can just kind of go off wherever. Um, and, yeah, you may get destroyed mercilessly, but it's, also... it's uh, not as likely. Yeah, there's also, it seems like, and I, no no Souls expert me, of course, but um, I have been watching this Dan Floyd playthrough, and he is apparently like a veteran of the series and has been making a lot of comparisons to previous games. Um, and it seems like it's also just a lot easier to run away from things in Elden Ring in general, where yeah. like it's like, I'm, you know, I don't want to do this fight. I'm going to sneak around it or I'm just going to go in a completely other direction. Yeah, I yeah. think that to me is is one of the key differences with Dark Souls is that uh, there's a, you know, it took me a while to discover uh, there's, for me, it was a surprising amount of just running away from enemies in even Dark Souls. But uh, typically that means like, just running through enemies. That's the only direction that you can really do that. In in Elden Ring, you can do that, um, but you can also run in a bunch of other directions and be rewarded for it. There's a, there's apparently a type of trap in uh, Elden Ring, which is like a trapped chest, trapped fog chest that just mm-hmm. teleports you to a random mm-hmm. area of the map, usually that you are not yet prepared for. Mm-hmm. So I did watch Dan like get teleported to a late game section of the game and then have to like ride his horse past like giant dragons yep. and horrible rotting red swamps and whatnot yep. in order to get back yep. to like any kind of reasonable area. Yep, yep. Uh yes, lots of fun. Classic from software things where you Yeah. <laughs> one of the early chests and go to the late game areas. 
That yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of like like terrifying and also hilarious in a way that's that I quite enjoy. Uh yeah, well I do think that one of the things the games train you pretty quickly uh on is that any given run you know, when you have a lot of uh, souls or runes or whatever, um, and you're you are very high value, then you're going to be sort of precious with that. But um, you will you will have a lot of game time where you are an exploratory, uh, you know, a ranger where you are you are just sort of like uh you are not valuing your life very highly, <laughs> uh, you know, just sort of like strike off in a direction and see what's there and understand that, like, you're going to discover some things and then you're going to get smushed. Uh, and that's just sort of what the game is. Um, and once I you have... sort of once it once you learn that, uh, it's a lot of fun to engage with it that way. I have 200 runes. I can lose that. It's fine. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I did. I mean, especially towards the end, there was a lot of just mental calculus going on constantly for me. I would glance at that number and think sort of, you know, how many how many seconds, how many minutes does this represent? Like, how long would it take me to get back to this point of having this many runes? Um, and that is how much I'm going to value my life at this moment. Yeah. And, and how close does this amount of runes put me towards leveling up? How much further right. do I have to go before I can get to that number? Um, yeah. 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 The, uh, it's an interesting sort of forcing function in that it, it uh, causes a sort of tick-tock cycle of um, exploration versus caution and then back again as you get to a thing and level up. And so you you... You you are forced to kind of vacillate back and forth between those two play styles, uh, just by the the mechanics of the XP system, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a it's a design that um, creates a lot of really really cool um, player effects. Yep, I I absolutely hate that it's become like super de facto to put it into a lot of games. The like, oh, when you die, you drop all your stuff and you have to come back and get it or you lose it forever. And I'm like, what purpose is this like serving other than to make me feel like incredibly nervous when I've died and I'm trying to go right. back to this point? And I think it's I think it's one of those things where like it works really well in the Dark Souls series because they've thought about why it's in there. And then a lot of other games just put it in there because Dark Souls did it. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That makes sense to me. Um, do you, what are some examples of titles that you've encountered that do that? Because I don't know that I've played them. So the thing I would that where it annoys me the most, or where the, the most sticks in my mind, is Near Automata does that with your plug-in chips. Interesting. Um, which I mean, it makes sense on a in that game on a diegetic level, and that game is a lot about like. If it makes sense diegetically, we're going to do it and fuck the player's experience because that's kind of the attitude of that game. Um, but you have so you have a series of your Android body has a series of plug in chips that you use. That's basically your build. Um, it's, you know, do you want to have chips that like 
up your HP or your speed or that like give you health regen or that, you know, like it's so it's you have a limited amount of space and you have to choose the ones you want to equip. And when you die, your android body is left wherever you died and you get put in a new android body so you don't have any of your chips. And if you want your chips back, you have to go find your body and collect them. But like in Dark Souls, if you die again before you collect them, they're just gone forever. And it's like, that's your whole build. <laughs> so... Right. It's been so long since I played Automata that I completely forgot about that, but yes. Yeah. I had no memory of that. <laughs> One of the worst things in the game. Like, there's a lot of really great, interesting stuff in that game, and I hate that aspect of it so much. No, the worst but... thing is you have to play three times get to the end. Well, okay, or at but, least two times, and then you get a third part. Yes, yes, but at least they did better on that front than the original Nier did. Where you literally, like, at least in this one, each of the three playthroughs is sub it's not substantially different, but different enough to not be literally the exact same game. Um, and in the original Nier, you just literally had to play the exact same game three times. <laughs> so. Yeah. I still haven't picked up um, Replicant, and I've been meaning to do that just because I played OG Nier like so many years ago, um, and I really, yeah. really liked I mean, it. It's, my understanding is it's not that different. I mean, no, it's yeah. like remade. The combat is less terrible. It's, um, it's basically a remade version of the the alternate version that we didn't get uh, yeah. in the states, or that, that didn't get released outside of Japan. Yeah, because, and uh, uh, Americans can't can't into a Bishonen main character, or couldn't at the time, I guess. Yeah, so. and there, there's also an added uh, epilogue ending, ending E, that uh, that was, I guess, in, like, one of the novelizations, but not in the original game. Mm. So. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't remember much about Automata, because I played it at a, not a great time in my life, and I found myself identifying way too hard with uh, just like the hopeless plight of the little robots who were all <laughs> the trying <nihilism>. their best. <laughs> yeah, they the, were all just the... like they were all just trying their best, but for nothing. And I yeah. that like hit me too hard, and that's the only thing I can remember. Uh, yeah, what a great game. <laughs> yeah, the intense, the intense nihilism uh, of the the near series is like. Mm -hmm. And then it has, like, the if you get to all the way to the E ending in Automata, it has, like, an anti-nihilist ending, which it co is completely unearned. Like, it has nothing to do with the themes in the entire rest of the game. Like, it's great and, like, very uplifting, but it's, like, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <clears throat> I am glad that um, Okabe, the, the composer, is now basically Yoko Taro's, like, go-to guy. Because I don't remember what I think it was a Nintendo Direct where they it was it's a like a card like a deck builder game that Yoko Taro is now working on, um, and I heard the music and I was like, that's that's Okabe. Is this a Yoko Taro game? And your girl was right. <laughs> so now I can spot a new a new Yoko Taro game from a mile away just based on the music. Nice, um, amazing. And the music is really really oh, yeah. good. The soundtrack to the first Nier is still, I think, my favorite video game soundtrack. I listen to it uh, a lot, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, there are there yeah, are some themes of that that like are very sort of iconically set in my head. And I didn't even finish the first Nier. I've a friend lent it to me because he's like, "This is like maybe my favorite game, and you should try it." 
and I was like, I'm sorry, I, like, I got most of the way through it, and it's so grindy, and I just, I don't want to play it three times. It is, like, it is rough. It's definitely rough, I'll give you that. I, I say that as a person with uh, an immense fondness for the first game. Yeah, yes. maybe, yeah, <laughs> yes. maybe, maybe Replicant would have been better, but, like, I think, I think Automata is about the level of Yoko Taro-ness that I was willing to engage with. So like, I think I'm fine just having played that one. It's like slightly less horribly depressing and nihilistic than most of his other games, like marginally so. Um, and it's got, you know, Platinum Games combat in it. So it's like feels good to play. Um, yeah. It, it and... also suffers from the the issue that I feel like a lot of Japanese media does. Where, um, so there's a whole home, Grimoire Near, that has, like, all of the stuff that is prequel to the first game, but then also, like, I think goes into what happens after the first game, never translated into English, except for fan translations. Oh, there's and, so much content for the Near universe. Yeah, and then there's audio dramas that, like, go into and all of the alien stuff. And <laughs> stage plays. There's, like, two yeah. different stage plays that have, like, backstory for, like, uh, Yorha stuff. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Jinro all over again. Uh, an anime that I will never watch because I know I'll never get the full context because so much of it has just never been translated. Yeah, uh, this is annoying. my this is my answer to people who complain that like Kingdom Hearts is like hard to play because it was released on a bunch of different platforms, and I'm like, buddy, let's talk about Yoko Taro for a second. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking like, of Kingdom Hearts, uh, boyfriend has been playing the first one again. So oh, I get yeah. to listen to all of that music from out in the other room. Yay! Um, so, also, yeah. a series with great, uh, with a great soundtrack. Yeah, I I ran out of my office and ran into the living room and pointed at the TV. I did the like point meme face open mouth the second <laughs> that I heard uh, the Hollow Bastion music. Yes, Rising Falls. Yes, so good. So good. <laughs> Best song. Um, it's very good. I like Distati, which is the song that plays when you're like diving into the like stained glass world of the heart in the mm, beginning yeah um, also very good which is yeah super intense um the is he playing the like original original or the uh like um the he's point, playing the point whatever version or the full mm. compilation for ps4 remake version um so he he has 1.5 and then I think he couldn't get 2.5, so then he did get the story so far. And I think that's the one he's playing. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice of them to just, like, here's everything you need on one one disc for PS4. Is, yeah. uh, is kind of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, nobody Although, needs to play 258 over, however, for the fraction one. 358, I don't think yeah. Anybody, yeah. I don't think anybody needs to play that, so I'm I'm glad yeah. that was just cutscenes. Although I will say, I think, and maybe this is a hot take, uh, but I think they made Chain of Memories worse. Yeah, uh, in no, the remake. Not a hot take. I agree 100. percent By making it 3D, it should never have been 3D. It's it's already yep. like a little bit too much to mentally keep track of in combat in 2D. 3D makes it like not playable. Yeah, that this is um, this is a conversation that I've had with him uh, several times. Is I because I didn't because I was playing through them. Um, I played the first one previously, but I was playing through it again and then playing past that for the first time. 
um, like back in 2019, and I I just couldn't get through Chain of Memories. Um, it was just too much for me, and I ended up watching the cutscenes for like the last maybe third of it. <clears throat> um, but I I still maintain I think I would enjoy it more if I had been playing the um like the GBA version. I think it, yeah. it would have made more sense to me to play it that way. Um, but I am not gonna go through the effort to like download Fair. that and and play it. So it's Fair. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. 100% on that. Ah, anyway, uh, anybody else have any fun news or media for the past few weeks? Oh, I guess if no just one's... Just been working. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how's the job? Um, stressful. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. But game design, we had a, so yes. We had a <laughs> pretty big deadline recently. So, yay! Was the deadline like? <laughs> did you make the deadline at least mostly? I mean, it wasn't like a hard deadline. Okay. It was yeah. just like show, uh, like give our stuff to the publisher to show what where we at. Push to have as much good stuff as you can by a certain date, sort of a deadline. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, that's good. I hope you succeeded insofar as you now, you know, you wanted to, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I, I hope that think so. you get to relax a little bit more than uh, than you were ahead of the deadline. Yeah, that too. Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, ups and downs have, are important. We have some holiday days now. Yay. So you get some days off. Great. Good, good. That's Glad good. to hear. All right, shall we get into the, our primary topic of conversation then? Yeah, talking about Nier and games that make you replay them over and over again to get different endings. Oh, yes. Good segue. The segue. Nailed it. There it is. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm introing this one. Hello. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, we played um, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe uh, by Crows, Crows, Crows. Um, Davy Reedon and William Pugh. Um, the update, sequel, remaster-ish uh, continuation of um, the Stanley Parable from 2013. Smash hit, baby. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, if you <laughs> if you like games that are very like meta and are commentaries about games, <laughs> then that's probably all you should know about this before you go and play it yourself. Um, so yeah. like that's one of those like stop this here and go uh, you know play it and come back because uh, we're gonna be spoiling the heck out of it uh, like pretty right off the bat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, sounds right. I think it's hard to talk about this game. Uh, without spoiling it, so yeah, it seems definitely. like it's up your alley. It probably is. Yeah. So, so and and I'll say right at the top, if you played and enjoyed the Stanley Parable in 2013, I think you should go play this game. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it that's would where be you are. Perfect if you play this in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a big fan of the original, I think you will be a big fan of this one. Um. Mm -hmm. We were talking last time about, I was trying to remember if I had played the original, because I had very strong memories of playing the original, but I think what actually happened 
is I played a little bit of the demo at Indiecade, and then I watched you stream it, Sean. And so yeah. I mentally combined those <laughs> into a memory of playing it, which I don't think I ever actually did. Nice. It, it was one of the first games that I ever streamed. Uh, yeah, it was it one was... of my first four in February games uh, uh, in 2012, maybe? No, well, it came out in 2013, so it must have been... It must have been 2013 or 2014, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I remember it being very early as well. Um, was, so was there, there was a source mod version previously, though. Was that, could that have been the one that you played if it was before 2013? I don't know. It's no, I, I definitely played it after the release. Okay. I just don't remember when I started streaming. That's, that's, fair. that's my problem. Yeah, yeah I have fair. the, uh, I have the, I, I think the source mod version is the one I played at IndieCade mm. uh, back in the, way back in the day um if i i bet if i go to youtube and i search uh play by play stanley parable <laughs> oh yeah there's an easy yeah, way to solve i bet it'll come up <laughs> well uh, kyla you you do that seven years ago so seven years ago that's so that would have been 2015 probably 2015 yeah yeah um can I I can I ask folks like well Kyla first of all how did you how did you engage with this did you play the original content first or did you dive right into the No I the I new dove content? right in because I had a, I have very strong memories of watching okay. your playthrough so I felt like I I didn't have much to gain from seeing the but I did when I started <clears throat> I'm like all right I'm going to get like a good you know, four or five endings before I engage with the sure. new content at all. So even when I noticed the new content door, I skipped yeah. it a couple times to do a refresher. Because um, I think also the game has, the Ultra Deluxe version has changed some of the original, some of the parts of the original game as well from when you played it. Like, for instance, the ending where you, um, I think the, the disobedience ending where you get thrown into another game used mm -hmm. to be Minecraft, and now yes. it's um, Firewatch. And, and Rocket League. League. And, yeah. Rocket and Rocket League, League. yeah. 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 Um, I forgot so... that that was Minecraft, because I was, I was thinking to myself, like, what would this have been previously? Because it definitely wasn't Firewatch and Rocket League. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, okay. Minecraft and I think maybe Portal? Okay. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um... That, I yeah, know, I was I, trying to think there was this. I was thinking there was a second game that came after Minecraft, but I could not remember it was what it was. But Portal sounds right. Um, so you know, so I did a few of those endings, uh, and then I went to the new content. Um, and I, I think so. Uh, the so the new content, the part where you like go through the new door, and there's like the, the sort of bogus version of the new content, and then there's like the memory <laughs> shack. And then there's the memory like, zone, memory zone, and then the like E3 like new Stanley Parable two showcase. I think mm -hmm. that whole sequence is very very good, mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the only part I liked about the game. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like I want to be convinced because like I wanted to really love this game a lot, and I want to be convinced that that I should. <laughs> Um, but I had a rough time with the rest of it. So I, that's fantastic. I think, uh, 
Uh, I hope that we can have some good conversation about that. I uh, I don't know that I am going to convince you, but I do think that I probably had an overall higher uh, opinion or or enjoyment of the of the new content than maybe you did. Um, uh, and one of the things that I wanted to ask everybody, uh, and I think I know your answer, Kyla, is uh, is whether all of the bucket stuff worked for for folks because. A lot of the new content hinges on this kind of uh, I don't I don't know even how to describe that sort of um, artificial in joke like it sort of builds a um, a, a, a comedic uh, world around a bucket yeah. being an interesting thing and yeah. uh sets, if that it sets an absurd premise and then it commits yes. very hard to an absurd yeah. premise yes yes exactly and that i think ultimately that worked pretty well for me um but it's the kind of thing that seems like it it might work for you and it might not and if it doesn't then there's a lot of this game that just isn't gonna work for you <laughs> Yeah, what did other people fair. think? Was that did did that work for anybody else? I so really I enjoyed the bucket, but I also did the new content like soon as possible, and okay. I got the bucket pretty early, so I pretty much went through the old content with the back mm -hmm. bucket, and it was like a blast from the past, but mm -hmm. with a slightly new take. So I don't think. It didn't feel like I had to go through all the content with the bucket, but I had like a refresher mm. of the previous game. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So like a nostalgia, but but fresher because there's there's new content to it. <clears throat> uh, I will say I was very like shocked and amused uh, and um, enamored of the bucket ending where you get yourself out of the game map. You like drop into the white area outside the office windows, um, and you learn that the bucket is like a horrible ancient demon, and you kill it. How 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 do you do that? I don't think I found that. So if if you go to you know how in the first office room there's like a there's a desk where sometimes the phone on the desk rings, and you can like answer it. Yes, right. It's yeah, like your your wife calling with a grocery list. Um, so there's a the. The chair at that desk is pulled out slightly, and if you walk, you can actually walk up the chair and onto the desk. Uh, and then if you, like, crouch along the wall, you can get over onto the adjacent desk, which is next to a window, and you can fall out that window. Interesting. Um, and in the normal game, there's a, like, a, a pause... And then the narrator's like, you know, Stanley thought he was really clever by getting out of the window, but then he realized this was just another designed path in the game that was like, um, and they do a whole uh -huh, meta thing uh -huh. about like, um, you know, you're like, well, you know, like, do you feel that this was worth it? And there's like a big, like, is, is this joke getting old? And there's a big like, yes or no, you can go up to. And then if you pick no, he goes on a whole diatribe about like, you know, wondering what would have happened if you'd picked yes and is it worth coming all the way to this again on the <laughs> off chance that mm -hmm. yes is more interesting and like so it's a very very meta bit but yeah if yeah. you go out there with the bucket then the bucket starts whispering to you and it's uh it's 
like revealed that <clears throat> the bucket is some kind of transformed ancient evil and the, the screen goes to black and the narrator says something about like <clears throat> thank goodness you already like knew all the 12 ancient incantations you needed to to subdue <laughs> this thing and then there's like the bucket in a spotlight with like a knife stabbed into it and blood everywhere uh interesting yeah i did not i never found uh i think i never found that original ending uh yeah so I, I, did th not. I probably wouldn't have either I, I think one of my like when i was back when i was tutoring game design one of my game design students i think showed me the original version of that ending so yeah. i was like i wonder if i remember how to get out the window so i tried that yeah one that's thing that's oh, another thing that I remembered from from playing it previously. Otherwise, yeah, I I don't. That's that's. I feel like that's an ending that nobody like nobody that I've talked to, um, knew about. Like, figure that ending out organically. They always had somebody else like show them right. how to do it, or they saw someone else do it. Um, because that's the case for me as well. Certainly, is uh, you know I would not have known to do that if um if I didn't remember it from before and i think i had seen someone do it previously so that's a an interesting one to me yeah so it's not a normal it's not presented as a choice right like right. there are a lot of choices in the game that are very clear choices um and right. like where it's clear you're making a decision and then there are a number of sort of more hidden things where it's like if you are experimenting and doing weird things and trying something unusual like then you will find this this hidden one um i guess we should we should probably start with just like an overview of like what the game is on the off chance that anyone is listening to this and has no idea what we're talking about uh yeah, it's a, yeah. it's it's a game where you are a, a character stanley in an office <clears throat> as you walk through the office there is a, a posh narrator voice that narrates your actions and you can choose to either go along with what the narrator says you're doing or to sort of fight against the narrator and <clears throat> the entire game is sort of the tree of decisions and choices about how you and the narrator interact and what you choose to do and each one leads to kind of a different interaction with the narrator or series of events and some of them get really wild and absurd um and some of them less so <laughs> yeah occasionally they'll sort of like fold back together but a lot of the time they will lead to these disparate endings that are um yeah absurd sort of just bizarre divergences from one another uh where it turns out this was like all a dream or um it, you, you go on some kind of a crazy adventure or you escape the facility like different things are are sort of possible yeah or the narrator gets frustrated with you not following directions and decides to put you in an entirely different game. Yes, right, exactly. Or you visit a museum uh, about the development of the game yeah. uh, that you can sort of tour around, which uh, is one of my favorite things. Yeah, um, that's, that, is the, that is almost the ending that I got when I played the original demo at IndieCade. I got to the point where... I don't think, and I actually don't think that ending was in the original version. Because mm. um, I got to the point where the crushers are about to crush you. Yeah. And the, the narrator says something like, you know, the only way to stop this, like, you have the power to end this. You have the power to stop this by stopping the game right now, by quitting it. So I quit the game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And back to main menu. 
and yep. the the person who was like manning the booth like looked over and like oh did it crash and i i was like no i i quit the game it told me to <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so and then in in the ultra deluxe there is a new content section uh halfway through where you you go in through a new door there's a bunch of like really flimsy uh sort of joke content where you like you there's a circle where you can jump and once you jump a certain amount of times then you can't jump anymore in the end um and the narrator gets frustrated with calling this new content and then goes on a sort of memory lane journey about the original stanley parable and the the sort of pressure uh to create like a follow-up and to you know how it how it feels to get positive and negative reviews on a game um and then decides to add a bunch of new features to make on top of the game to make the Stanley Parable 2. Uh, one of which is a bucket that um, is like there to comfort you and make things less confusing. And so the reassurance much, bucket, the yeah. reassurance bucket. So every time, every time you are carrying the bucket, any of the endings from the original game are changed to be a new bucket version of the ending. And some of them Hell are yeah. wildly different. Yes. Like the thing about the bucket, if someone were to pitch that at like work, the producer would slap them. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. But it's interesting because it, it, it reminds me, I'm not sure that I can articulate this perfectly, but playing the game, I had the same sort of, uh, or I recalled the feeling that I had playing Portal 2 for the first time. And uh, there's a bit in that game where there's kind of a throwaway joke about a potato. Uh, and then a little while later, it it turns out that the that throwaway joke about the potato, that's going to be like a major plot point, And we're going to keep going with it for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had this feeling of like, oh, that's huh. I. I I sort of thought that was just sort of like a quip or a little funny little bit of world building or something. Um, but it's a we're, we're really going to do this, huh? We're really going to commit to this. OK. And by the end of it, it's, you know, charming enough and well written enough that I kind of buy into it enough to, to to feel like, yeah, that was worth while that was entertaining. That was that was worth doing. And the the bucket for me was a similar thing of. You know, it was it was kind of goofy. It was one of many different things that were presented as part of the Stanley Parable 2 uh, and, you know, new features. And uh, and when it showed up in the game, um, I genuinely missed it the first time I walked by it and the narrator said something <laughs> about it. And I was like, oh, wait, what? There's a buck. Oh, OK. Uh, and uh, and started carrying it around and sort of being like, this is we're really going to do this this is we're gonna the the bucket is the one that we're committing to that's the one of, of okay the, of the ideas of the ideas pitched and gosh all right actually, actually almost all of the ideas from the like yeah. stanley parable 2 features do actually make it into the game it's just most of them don't have as big an impact as the right. bucket like there are and, balloons and, all over the office and there is yes, an epilogue and there are collectibles and and um, the collectibles, I actually think, were maybe my favorite part of the new content. Yes. The the bucket stuff, the the like big endings for the bucket, the um, 
the bucket museum I thought was super charming. The what is a bucket ending was I thought yeah. really funny. Uh, and the bucket destroyer like intervention ending I thought was um, yeah. pretty clever. Uh, so like I, I had the same feeling of like, okay, yeah, this you made this work. Uh, I'm I'm on board. I'm okay. But uh, the collectibles I thought were actually the star of the well, the the uh, the whole I agree with you, Kyla, the whole Stanley Parable two stuff I thought was the best. Yeah. Um, but I also really did like the collectible stuff. I liked the epilogue that you get with all the collect when you do all the collectibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, bo- both, I guess, both the the ending, the collectible ending, which is its own thing, and the epilogue that comes from having done all the collectibles uh, and some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is it, did did everyone end up getting to the epilogue? Yes. That- yes. Okay. I needed I needed help to get there. Uh, I shouldn't have, but because I sort of marathoned the game, I didn't yeah. realize you didn't run the yeah. game enough times. Yeah, yeah. I did the exact same thing. Uh, I once I figured it out, though, I did really enjoy the inclusion of like, oh, here's a new character, I guess. Um, yeah. In, in the in this sort of little world, and the character is just whoever is actually running the game. Um, yeah. So the a, a new inclusion the settings to this menu. Game. Yeah, the, the settings, settings menu. Yeah. Um, so a new inclusion this time around is um, when when you boot up the game the first couple times, it asks you to put in the time to p- enter the current time, and there's like a a fake gamma slider and things like that. Um, and after you've done that a couple of times, I think the, after twice, if you mm-hmm. actually put the time in, you get some more text. It's like, hey, thank you for actually putting in the text. A lot of people ignore that. Um, so I'm really glad that you have chosen to do this, and it kind of goes on from there. You know, oh well, you've you put in the text or you put in the time, and uh, you have moved the sliders around. I guess you really like sliders, so next time you start the game, uh, I'll have some more settings for you to to play with before you start it up. Um, and that sort of becomes just a, another character in the game who is kind of also sort of an antagonist to the narrator, um, as it sort of happens in the epilogue he says you know the the problem with the narrator is that he he cares too much about what people think about his work but me like i think we just need to run this into the ground so from there every (laughs) time you boot the game up again they add another number and a subtitle and it's like the stanley parable 3 the stanley parable 4 no new content but it's a sequel baby Um, yeah, I, yep. I thought was really brilliant. Yeah, and they yeah. let you choose the subtitle from a randomly generated set of things, so it could be you know like Stanley Parable Five: The Horse Apocalypse, or you know things like that. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Parable Four: A Pocket Full of Ice Cream. I think was my favorite one that I saw. Very nice. Um, the yeah, but Kelsey, you didn't actually get to answer the question of like, did the bucket work for you as a mechanic? <laughs> Oh, so um, what happened with me, actually, when I was playing this through, I, I went quite a while without um, hitting the new content just because I wanted to kind of re-experience it. Um, I, I did that too, Kelso. That was yeah, my approach. And I remembered a lot of it, but there was a lot that I just straight up did not remember. So it was mm-hmm. quite a while um, when I in when I finally got the bucket. Um, and I think, I think I just picked the wrong endings with the bucket because I think I got like three bucket endings and they were all super bleak and I was, oh. I was not feeling it. Um, like I did the press conference ending, which is just soul oh. crushing um, with the yeah. bucket. 
Um, and What's then I got the, the press conference ending? So the press conference ending is if when you go down the elevator from the boss's office, if you go back up and down and up and down several times, um, without the bucket, the narrator says, oh, well, I, like, you're such a paragon of narrative design here. Like, you're really, really blazing new trails by going back up and down this elevator. I, I didn't want to tell you, but I prepared a press conference. So you go up the elevator, and it takes you to something similar to, like, the, the Stanley Parable 2 convention hall. Um, like backstage kind of area, um, and, and there's so many great posters on the wall of like, here are the world's greatest thinkers, like an evening with world peace, baby, or uh, the guy <laughs> who invented pizza, like all these posters for others. Literally, speakers. God. <laughs> yeah, literally, God is another one. Um, and then they're like, okay, we'll go through these doors, and there's the press conference, and you're in a huge arena, and there's like flashing cameras and just like crowds and crowds, and they're all here to. See Stanley, the the narrative trailblazer who goes up and down the elevator. Like, what is his thought process? Um, and that's that's all it is. Like, you get to the podium and it starts you over. Um, but if you do that with the bucket, um, when you go back up the elevator, uh, you become fixated on the number three on the keypad, and like the bucket doesn't understand your love of the number three. It's like, well, maybe if I just go back up there again, the bucket will will see how much joy this brings you. You know, my my good friend. I want him to to understand, uh, you know, how much happiness this is this is giving me. Um, and instead of uh, the narrator uh, organizing the press conference, you decide to organize the press conference about how great the number three is. Um, and you go out there, and there's just nobody. And the, the narration is like, in this moment, Stanley knew that the bucket would never respect him again. And over the <laughs> over the next few years, Stanley and the bucket slowly drifted apart. Their friendship was irreparable. <laughs> like that's what it ends on. It's so bleak. Um, yeah. So I got I got a couple other endings that were similarly kind of dark, and I was like, I don't know if I like this bucket thing. That yeah. Ending, you guys? Did you get the ending where you marry the bucket and the bucket yeah. murders the narrator? Oh, yeah. no, I didn't get that one. That one is an... also dark but funnier. Yeah, it's similar. I do. I think it was probably it benefited me. I, maybe the order that you get the endings is really important because uh, the first thing that I did was the bucket museum, which was kind of a uh, a a real like commitment uh to the bit it was sort of like okay i yes there's no no half measures here we are going hard on the bucket uh i understand the this premise that we're sort of we're, yeah. we're doing the museum is about the the history of buckets and how man first discovered the bucket which is of course existed far beyond before the existence of man right uh and, and then how important great. the how important the bucket has been through history. So it, it is, it's fantastic. And then the, the second bucket ending that I did was the, uh, is this a bucket game show, which is like big production, sort of like very exciting, uh, sort of funny ending. Um, so I think getting those two first probably really, yeah. uh, changed the, my perspective on the whole thing as I went through other stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I like there is like a weird aversion that I have with some like there are some endings uh, with or without the bucket that are just extremely bleak. Like the one in particular yes. that I'm thinking of is the the red door where the narrator is just like pleading with you like, no, let's just stay here. 
it's nice, yes. it's safe, we'll be happy. And you keep going, like, you basically kill yourself rather than have okay. to sit Several the times. Several times. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, the narrator, and, and this is a testament to um, uh, Kevin Brighting, I think is his name, just a testament to his, yeah. his um, uh, you know, abilities as an actor. It's, like, truly, truly affecting, to me at least, um, just, like, the, the agony as he is pleading with you to, to not kill yourself just to sit here with him and be happy you know we've broken the cycle and and nope nope i gotta i gotta keep playing the game buddy um and that oh boy i i i hate that one um yeah i agree that's wrenching that is yeah. really uh yeah. similarly in the um the memory zone i guess there's a branching path and i picked the one where you go to the steam reviews um is this a branching there, path is, or i don't th i don't think there's a branch um, there but i could be wrong is. okay I, okay, because it looked like there were two paths and I took one, but they must converge somewhere. Um, but you, you look at the Steam reviews and he adds uh, the skip button, and the skip button was yes. also a, a really rough one. Yeah. Um, because every time... Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, so one of the things that like people complained about in Steam reviews, I don't know if these were... I'm assuming these actually were real Steam reviews, um, sure. was, you know, uh, the dialogue in the narrator's too chatty and I wish there was a skip button. So the narrator implements a skip button but something goes wrong, and every time you hit the skip button, it increases the amount of time where you push the skip button, Stanley is just frozen, and the narrator is entirely alone with this frozen Stanley who can't see or hear or move. Um, and every time, it, based on what he is describing, the, the amount of time you're frozen gets exponentially longer. Um, so the first time it's like three or four minutes, and then it's like 45 minutes, and then it's 12 hours, and then it's two weeks, and then it's like years. Um, and that one... Eventually, the narrator just disappears. Um, yeah, but he, he goes he, kind of crazy, and then he disappears. Yeah. But he talks for a while about like what happens to him while mm -hmm. he is alone, and it's like, oh no, I feel really, really bad pressing the skip button again, but there's, there's nothing else you can do. The door disappears. Right. There's no way yeah. out. The only way to progress is to... Um, you know, inflict this agony on on your on your poor narrator friend. So that one also was pretty rough. Um, I, I understand that. That is pretty rough. I I liked that quite a bit, though, as sort of a, a sequence. And yeah, it, it's good it, as a sequence. It just makes me feel bad. It's, yes, a hundred percent. Yes, yeah. it, it does. No, it, it is. It, it is very affecting. I agree. Um, but it, but it kind of gets at like I overall you know bucket aside uh and the specifics of of some of the the that stuff um i i liked the approach and the themes of the new content quite a lot i mean it, you know and and actually i think it's an improvement um narratively or you know, I don't know. I don't know how to describe like uh, uh, academically or metatextually or whatever the 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 thing is that this game is trying to engage on. I actually like what it's doing in the sequel more than the original because the original, I think, was a lot of talking about themes of a choice and interaction, and um, they they push this idea agency, and they push this idea of like you know one of the options that you have is to quit the game, and like maybe you should just quit this game, and all of that is you know kind of I, I, it's a little provocative and it's interesting and and you know maybe even more so in in 2013 than in 2022, um, but it I feel like the game fails to like really 
do more to engage with those topics than bring them up. Um, uh, And in the sequel where it's kind of talking about sequels and it's talking about legacy and it's talking about time, I feel like those are more interesting subjects for it to talk about. And I think it does a better job of talking about them. So yeah, I, I, agree. I agree that I agree that they're more interesting subjects. I don't know if I agree that it talks about them in a more interesting sure. way. I think that middle sequence, the stat like stuff that's not just new stuff on top of the Stanley parable, the stuff that's like its own thing, I think that engages with that really well and very yes. strongly. Agreed. I, I think the all the bucket stuff is feels like the comment it's making is isn't it slightly disappointing to just have all the same things, but slightly different, but maybe that's, maybe it's just because like, I want to do a whole like pitch of like why I found the bucket thing disappointing, but uh, I want to finish this train of thought first. If anyone had other, other thoughts on that. Um, no, I, I, I guess my, my thing is, I think, gosh, I'm like really having trouble doing words today. Um, the the <laughs> idea that the sequel basically um, is expanding upon not just the game and the world of the game, but the world outside the game, the reactions to the game, and the the pressure of well, now what do we yeah. do? I thought that was just a, a really brilliant move um, because it 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 does get a lot closer to like actual real world anxieties um and and feelings i think and it um it it definitely gets a little more evocative of like okay well now we got to top this thing and uh you know the idea of of worrying about what people are going to think i think a lot of it also really um fleshed out the narrator in a lot of ways because you you see a lot of the narrator's anxieties um in in the Mm. original content of you know i'm making i'm doing this all for you stanley like uh, just please just play along like i've got something great to show you if you would only just you know go along with what i'm saying i put so much time into this but now the narrator has all of this additional pressure from you know review websites and steam reviews and and like you said the legacy of the game um which i, I think does end up taking it into some darker places um but certainly more affecting places yeah i i think that part um, when it when it was really engaging with it, it reminded me of what I liked about um, the beginner's guide, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is to sort of a- engage with the sort of emotional resonances around creating art, and the mm-hmm. the the relationship between the producers of art and the consumers of art, and what that means. Like, <clears throat> I think that's very juicy, and I I did like those middle segments a lot for that reason. And it um, is all it is all separate from the bucket stuff. Like that is true. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and so again, separate from the bucket stuff, really focusing on that that middle segment, um, I I appreciate how it sort of engages with the time that has passed since 2013. And uh, I think Firewatch is a really deliberate and appropriate choice to put in as a, you know, as an update to other games, um, because there's been an explosion of walking simulators and environmental narrative games and things that are sort of more in the vein of the Stanley Parable. Yeah, it's uh, true that Firewatch that is definitely like the Stanley Parable if it was taking itself seriously and not being meta. 
right? Like right. it's all about the way that all, a bunch of little choices you make can have like a big difference right. on your experience of that game. And But I think there's something really interesting to to say and think about in the in terms of like what what does it mean to have a sequel to this kind of a game? Uh, to a game that isn't, you know, mechanical. Uh, and when we talk about adding features, because that is such a, a part of the conversation of expanding or um, uh, continuing a series of games, like what does that look like in a game that isn't built around its mechanics and doesn't have the same features in the same way uh, that I think is, you know, particularly relevant to the Stanley Parable and that that's what it's dissecting and looking at, but is also has some relevance to a bunch of other games that have come out since the Stanley Parable originally came out. It, the idea of um, making a sequel to something like this, it reminds me a lot of um, the Frog Fractions sequel. Yeah. Right. Um, is one thing that I kept kind of coming back to. Um, and I don't know that I would necessarily call this a sequel um, strictly. It's, it does kind of occupy a, a sort of a middle ground. Um, but I think this ultimately was much more successful than Frog Fractions 2. Um, I, mm. I, in, in, I don't know. I didn't care for Frog Fractions 2, but I think they went too hard. Um, but that, that is just one thing that I came, kept coming back to as a comparison point. I'm surprised in the um, in the memory zone that they didn't, because like, I had already gotten the um, the Firewatch ending. I'm surprised that they didn't come to, um, or that they didn't get into Steam reviews saying, "Oh, it's just another walking simulator." Because I feel like at the time, in 2013, there was a lot of pushback about against you know the the quote unquote walking simulator. Um, it wasn't really as accepted of a of a thing as it is now. Um, so I'm, I, I am a little surprised that they didn't go in that direction, but So way. was Walking Simulator Boom, that was after Stanley Parable, I think. Gone Home there, there had been out in some. Yeah, yeah, yeah S- but it was late 13, I think. Dear Esther. I, I think you're right. Dear Esther. I remember, like... Dear Esther came out in February 14th, 2012. Yeah. So, yes. it, it, and I remember Dear Esther was the first one that went on my radar as having a lot of pushback. Yeah. Um, so it, it did, it did precede this at least by a little bit, maybe not the full force of the pushback, but yeah, I, I just remember game. kind of around that time, there was like an active conversation going on about like walking simulators. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they games? Are they art? What are they? Um, which, you know, has kind of died down and now they are, I would say pretty much just an accepted, you know, here is a a narrative game. Like it's it's a narrative experience. Um, whether or not you want to call it a game, that's that's a pretty much a dead argument at this point. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it I, seems I like think you're exactly thing. right. I think you're right, Kelso, about sort of like the timing and and the culture in that moment. I I do think that, and I I'm sure that the Stanley Parable got some of that heat, but mm-hmm. I think it probably sidestepped a lot of it because it is so meta and yeah. comedic. And if when folks were sort of like picking targets about this sort of cultural discussion of what are what is the value of, of walking simulators and how do they work, it's easier to look at Dear Esther and Gone Home. And yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
Okay, so Kyla, there, I yep. want to make one more point okay. in favor of the bucket before I turn it over to you to to convince yep. me. Uh, and that is narrative aside, mechanically, the bucket I think is brilliant. I I love the idea of here is an object that is given to you before your first decision in the game, before the, the game starts to branch, uh, that you can pick up or leave behind and essentially, you know, for the most part, choose whether you want to engage with the new content or with the old content uh, by, by picking up the bucket or leaving it where it is. Uh, I thought yeah. that was really, really clever as a way to like neatly integrate all of these different uh, narrative threads and allow the player to sort of have agency over how they're engaging with the game with the old old stuff and the new stuff. Yeah, I think having having turning on the new content be a diegetic object that you have to carry mm-hmm. with you. Like, I, I do think that's a that's a good that's clever. I you know, I like that. Yeah. Um, so, OK, so here's my pitch. Um, and this is not necessarily a pitch of why I think it's bad. It's just why I think I personally didn't connect with it. Sure. Um, so I think the driving force of the Stanley parable, um, and not necessarily like its themes or you know what it's trying to get at or what it's trying to do, but just sort of <clears throat> on a mechanical level, what drives the the game is novelty, um, mm-hmm. and which is kind of funny because the game. Uh, like berates you in certain parts for seeking novelty. But like the point of the, like the interest in the game is seeing the variety of things, right? Like going through the game in multiple different ways, trying new things, seeing new content, right? It's the getting to see a new set of things that's like driving you forward. Um, But the problem is that a lot of these new things require you to redo a series of old things that you've already seen in order to Mm -hmm. get to the new part. So the longer you play it, the less novelty is in it because the more you're seeing repeats of stuff you've already seen sometimes many times over. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you see that beginning part of the office, you know. 40 Mm -hmm. times or whatever um and they sometimes they change it up a little bit they'll throw in a a randomized start point or something like that but eventually like that part starts to feel repetitive and i felt but i still felt pressure to like seek out these this new novelty stuff and like keep you know trying to find the new parts um so I, i i ended up seeking out like a lot of the stuff i could find on my own and then like going to a wiki to find more of it and the the like longer I played, the more I felt like I was getting further away from the interesting things that the game was saying, and more like I was grinding for the sake of finding novelty. And then mm-hmm. when you get the bucket, you just double the number of things you have to do, mm-hmm. right? So past a certain point, I was treating the game like a checklist, and I wasn't having mm-hmm. fun anymore. And now my checklist is twice as long because I have a bucket mm-hmm. that that means I have to do twice as many things if I want to see all the content. Mm-hmm. Kyla, and do I... you think that that uh, this is this approach, which I totally understand and uh, and to some extent share, and I have an anecdote about that, but um, how much do you think it's shaped by the fact that you were like playing this game Delicious. for a podcast? And oh, how much yeah. do you think is like 
are you naturally a completionist? Do you have this impulse uh, that isn't always to your benefit? Like, is there is there a version of you that could have said, I'm not really having fun anymore. I think I'm done with this game. The game was good to the point where I play it and, and that's all I care about. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I definitely probably played it, played more of it than I would have if I was not podcasting. But I mm. also do generally have a completionist instinct for things in general. And <clears throat> like, I think it would, a lot of it might depend, as Kelso said, on which endings I ended up finding. Uh, yes. Right? Because the more bizarre and interesting they are, the more compelled you feel to seek out other ones to see if they're equally bizarre and interesting. Whereas if you yeah. get just a few that are kind of like, mm, I guess that's okay, then you're like, well, okay, I guess this game isn't that interesting and just you just stop. I, I've Actually, I have, uh, there was a really fun anecdote. I was watching somebody's Let's Play um, of the new content, and he mentioned like, oh yeah, when I first got the Stanley Parable, I really liked it, and I set a friend of mine down in front of the game like, oh, this is a, this is a really cool game, you should try it out. Uh, and she sat down and she played it, and she did exactly what the narrator said at every, like, choice moment. And then she finished it and went, oh, was that it? Like, that didn't seem like a very interesting game. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, I think maybe the way you engage with the narrator is, and sort of, like, the choices you make have a big impact on whether you see the the piece Hey, this is Editor Kelso from the past, future? Sorry, Craig uh, chose this moment to stop recording, so we were missing a chunk here. Sorry about that. You, uh, you went through the escape path and then you quit out of the game. Yeah, well, yeah, in the very, very first one. Um, yeah. And then, and then when I was replaying it for this podcast, I tried to do... Um, the way I, I vaguely remembered getting there, which is not actually the way you get there. Uh -huh. um, it's the one where you, I, I was like, okay, I think the way to that ending, because I wanted to see like, you know, I don't know, it was a nostalgia thing. I'm like, I think the way you get there is you follow instructions at first and then you diverge, which is kind of true. In fact, to get the, the ending that I was remembering, you follow instructions almost all the way to the end and then you diverge at the last second. But what I did was I just uh, I, I went through the wrong door in the beginning and then I'm like, oh, and then I'll start following what the narrator says where he tells me to go mm -hmm. back across. But then I'll take the elevator down as I'm crossing back. And that takes you to the adventure line ending, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So I think that was the first one that I re-experienced in the new playthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. I, for me, it was, I don't remember what I did when I played it the first time in, in 2015 or whatever. I think, uh, you, I think you obeyed every uh, one the first time, every instruction the first time to see what would happen. I went I all the way correctly. to the freedom. Yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> this time I did the exact same thing, but when I got to the handwritten sign that said escape, uh, I found that irresistible. And so that was sort of, I felt like that was, there's something in the pop psychology uh, uh, around like, that was the moment where I felt like, okay, I can't, I'm now I have to disobey. This is too tempting. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did the, the museum was my first ending. The museum's such a good ending. Um, I, so I, like I said, I, I sort of took um, quite a bit of time to kind of re-engage with the original content before I went to the new stuff. And I think I ended up doing the exact same thing that I did 
the first time I played it, which was I followed all the instructions the first time, and then I had sort of a mental catalog of, okay, here are the branching points. Mm-hmm. So then the second time I followed all the directions except to the very end, and then I disobeyed, and then mm-hmm. from there on I just kind of went a step back, I'll disobey here, I'll step back, a step back from there, um, which is the, uh, the, the completionist impulse, which is uh, mm-hmm. horrible in a game like this that uh, intentionally plays upon the completionist impulse. Um, there are so many times where I found myself just sitting, waiting for more dialogue to happen, and then getting called out by the game <laughs> for doing exactly that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I gotta see all this stuff. Um, so that's that's what I did, and then eventually I would, you know, go the other way, and okay, here are my two choices, this time I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do the same thing again, I'm going to go the other way. Um, it, it's a, a very thorough and methodical, and, uh, uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's probably not the best way to experience this, well, so I do was... get to see a lot of content. <laughs> I, yeah. have a, I do have an open question in my notes, which is, is there a correct way to play this game? But before we get to that, let's uh, mm. let's hear Carl's ending, first ending first. Yeah. So I'm not sure. My guess would be the, like, the new games where you have to push a button to send back the baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. That's, the, the, that's, the <laughs> uh-huh. complete, that's the complete disobedience ending, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, does make yeah. sense. I was gonna say, I bet, I bet Carl just went straight <laughs> off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you—that's the one where you—you you not only have to disobey what the narrator's telling you, you also have to like jump off the scaffold as it's moving yes. before he finishes talking. Yes. Um. But yeah. So yeah, no. So there's a question. As I was doing, as I was like looking at the wiki and seeing like, okay, what endings haven't I seen yet, and how do I get them? I. The thought occurred to me, I am playing this game wrong. This is not how, and same with, like you were saying, Kelso, like, I don't think completionism and, like, methodically trying to see every ending is how this game is meant to be played. And the thought occurred to me, like, is there a correct way to play this game? And if so, what is the correct way to play this game? Yeah, and I I just, I feel like I maybe would have benefited from a more spontaneous approach, um, just in terms of, like, yeah, the I mean, joy I... of discovery um, yeah. <laughs> rather than yeah. sort of following the formula and by the way towards the end i i also was i i, I also consulted a wiki but i found a beautiful flow chart for how to get every single ending and Amazing. every single thing um i can send that if later if y'all want to see it um which was Love very helpful it. but yeah um i i just you spend a lot of time sitting i think if you if you play it the way that i do just greedily right. waiting to snap up every bit of dialogue and content. Like in the skip button ending, it is specifically written so that the narrator just talks and talks and talks and talks so that you are tempted then to skip the dialogue. Except I would sit there for like five minutes at a time just waiting for oh him gosh. to keep talking. Gotta, and what happens? Oh no. Right? Yeah, and what happens is that he eventually says, Oh, you know what? Like that that positive review was so good. I want to read it again, and he reads it again, and he it, there there always comes to a point where he just starts looping his dialogue. Or there's one of them. There's one of them where he there's one of them where he just leaves, where he's like, yeah. "I'm going to leave you to think about this for a while while I go do this other thing." So yeah, but it always either end up, ends or loops. Yeah, and then you end up waiting to be like, "Well, is he going to come back and say something else?" So then you'll right. sit there for another like minute and a half, or even in the times where he's just not there at the beginning, it's like, "Okay, maybe if I sit here for a little while, maybe he'll have something yeah. to say." <laughs> Um, which 
that made that ending uh, very, yeah. very long. Um, maybe, but... maybe the game is trying to teach you that it's not fun to engage with games in this way. I know, and I and maybe yeah. I am am too wet brain to learn. <laughs> so, yeah. Carl, what was your approach? I mean, I know first time I played the game, I actively sought out all the endings. Because, <laughs> like, you want to experience, and it's a quite short game. But when you add in the extra content, suddenly the game, the game is quite long. Yeah, it's not as short, and yeah. It's six hours. Right. And I no longer want to do like go through a checklist for all of it. Yeah. yeah. So I just did endings until I was satisfied, and then I quit. Yeah. That might yeah. be the correct way. I I feel yeah. like the correct way is to play the game is to engage with the game on its own level, but I don't always know what that is. Like yeah. I don't feel like I have a good sense of what is the game's level. What does it want me to to experience or feel? One well, and I think because it's so sort of meta, right? It it kind of makes it hard to get a sense of that. Um mm -hmm. I I agree um and I I think comparatively I did play the game much more spontaneously. Um I you know I, certainly I am the kind of person who will sit and listen to the dialogue for a little bit. And then when I feel like, okay, I'm not really having fun anymore. I will go ahead and hit that skip button. Uh, like I don't feel bad about that. Uh, and I think that that, that did make it more enjoyable for me. Um, probably, uh, is what it sounds like. Um, and similarly, you know, I, I, the game I think is about exploring and trying to find a bunch of different endings. And I definitely engaged with it in that way, but not so methodically, not sort of um, looking at a wiki to sort of see what all of the possible endings are and not um, sort of going through sort of step by step by step. <clears throat> and so the experience that I had, I think generally I, I don't know if this is the right way to play it, but it, it worked, I think, pretty well for me, was a lot of coming across a thing and saying, this looks interesting, I'm going to try this, uh, or I'm going to remember this choice for another playthrough and come back to it, and uh, and and generally just kind of playing haphazardly and being rewarded for trying stuff out. And uh, certainly not seeing all of the content that there was in the game, but feeling pretty good about the content that I saw. Uh, to the point where, like, I really only had one moment that was, for me, the lowest point of my playthrough came towards the end, where I did the um, the bucket destroyer, the... Mm -hmm. uh, this is the adventure line ending where you carry the bucket and there's Wait, let me like... let me guess did you try once to to not destroy yes, the bucket and then exactly. try to destroy the bucket yep yes. i did the and same thing that was the that was the maybe the only time certainly the most prominent time where i was playing the game and i felt like yeah i do kind of wish that there was a skip button because i just did all of this there's a lot of dialogue that's exactly the same that I'm just waiting for to get to the end. And then I get to the end and there isn't another ending. There isn't like a choice there. Yeah. And it sort of it felt like, out, oh, It turns out hmm. you're actually unable to destroy the bucket. They present that exactly. as a choice, 
but it's not actually a choice because you have no ability to, to destroy the bucket. And that's a but very up long until ending. that, it's a very long ending too, exactly. Yes. But up until that point, you know, all of the curiosities that I would go chasing, they were they all get rewarded because it is yeah. so dense with content. Um, so I, you know, generally, I, it it was a lot of fun to play. I, I will say, I think the greatest rewards to my compulsion was um, bringing the bucket back into the broom closet. Did anybody else yes. see that? Yes. I yeah. that. That was you get very the stickers on the bucket for the yeah, rest of the, the game. Sticker. That's I important. Like that a lot. That's that's like a tangible thing that you get forever. Mm -hmm. Like I sat in the broom <laughs> closet. I get the sticker. Um, yeah, I I feel like sometimes the the completionist compulsion is rewarded, um, like with the sticker. Or I feel yeah. like the the press conference ending without the bucket is another good example of that because it's. You know, there's a lot of tedium working up to it because you got to go up and down the elevator like mm -hmm. three or four times. Um, and then you're rewarded with something completely out of left field and unexpected. But other times, then you just sit through the narrator talking for several minutes. And it's, it's, right. it's, it is kind of hard to gauge, you know, when, when is that going to be rewarded, the, the compulsion to just see all of the dialogue? Because I initially started going up and down the elevator being like, okay, well, I'll stop when I stopped getting new dialogue. Um, but right. it turns out that that was just an ending. Um, right. And it, it does kind of keep... It keeps you was... as to whether or not you're going to be rewarded or punished for that. Exactly. And that was an ending that I never got and had no idea existed, right? So, mm -hmm. like, there is, there is a trade-off. I do feel like my moment-to-moment -moment of playing the game was maybe more consistently enjoyable uh, for mm -hmm. me, but, uh, but I didn't see all of the content. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I still didn't see all the content. There's definitely, um, like, I didn't pick up this flowchart until pretty late just to see if there was anything <laughs> big I was missing, um, like whole branches so there, or anything. Um, right. But, yeah, I didn't. There is, there is one part <laughs> of the, the completionist that I felt really rewarded for, um, which, and <clears throat> I actually, like, I probably, even if I hadn't been getting completionist, I might have done this because I remembered that there's an ending with a with a space rocket where you're trying to escape but when you get there you can't use it because mm -hmm. it needs two people and the only way to get there is by ditching the narrator so i thought hey i have a bucket now i have two people i wonder if i could get out in the rocket with the bucket um and what the ending does is uh you the rocket only has room for one so you sort of tearfully place the bucket in the rocket and send the the bucket off to escape on its own um <laughs> and it's it's there's because there's no narrator so there's no like imaginary dialogue for the bucket right. but like the you the um you know stanley model like you know uses a finger to like stroke the buckets the side mm -hmm. of the bucket and like wipe an imaginary tear from the bucket's eye and like does a like shush shush kind of gesture on it like it's you know there's clearly some epic imagined dialogue going on um but the great part about this is that it has consequences the next time you play through the bucket is not on the pedestal Mm. It like it comes back later, but like oh. the um, it's gone the next time. And when you do the epilogue, there's a th the the rocket is crashed out in the desert outside the memory zone, and you can go there and pick up the bucket and bring the bucket with you to the epilogue. Oh, oh my wow. god, that's pretty incredible. That's yeah, that's great. And that so when great. I found the bucket in the desert, I felt like incredibly justified for having gone for that ending. I'm like the bucket.
They, they brought me the bucket. You escaped, friend bucket. Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah, exactly. Kyla, uh, just because I'm now I'm keeping a list of all of the endings that I didn't get that I want to go and and check out. Do you remember how you get to that ending? Because that's another one that I don't I don't um, think I yes, ever saw. That that's another one that's very that's kind of hard that you have to accomplish mechanically. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so the escape pod ending, you go as though you are going with the following the rules ending. Uh, until you get to the bo- boss's office, and in the boss's office, the, the entrance to the boss's office is a big set of heavy double doors. Um, mm-hmm. And when you walk through the double doors, they close behind you. But they close kind of slowly, and if you are clever, you can back out of the room before the doors close. And then the doors still close, but the narrator is on the boss is in the boss's office, and you are back outside oh. of it. And you can go all the doors behind you open again and you can go back to the beginning like retrace your step and there is a door that wasn't open before that is open right next to your office and that leads to the escape pod very cool i will try that yeah i just dropped the flow chart in the um in the discord by the way for future reference yeah, yeah there's, a okay. few, there's a few other like endings that i uh like had to look up there's ones where you can get uh in the in the like escaping the facility ending when you actually get to the facility you can get up on one of the desks and fall down into the deep bottom of that um that that was a new one for me that was a bug in the original game so they turned it into an ending in the remake amazing um so you can get that uh, with and without the bucket um i never knew there was a there's a little side path uh in the the room with like the cargo lift um Mm-hmm. that you can go down like there's a there's like a you can fall down it into onto a ledge in the area with the boxes and like walk along there and i ended yeah. up because i was looking up all the collectibles like that was the one that i was like because uh, they very kindly i i'm very happy they put hints about where the collectibles are yes. in the whiteboard room and i was yes. able to find all of them except that one because it's like room with a bunch of boxes and i'm like well i've been in a bunch of rooms with boxes and i haven't seen it um, and I did not know you could go towards the boxes in that room. I yeah, I, I... want to say that 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 like pathway. I don't think that's there until you get the figurines. I want to say because I I remembered like looking around that room pretty intently the first time I got there before I you know did the the new content and I, I and maybe this is just my memory failing, but I'm, I don't think it was there. So I I certainly didn't notice it until I was looking until I spotted that figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the is the but the um, the like ventilation duct ending is still there, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just the little path out to get the collectible. That's not. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not know that that ventilation duct was there until like the, the collectible sort of guided me towards that ending. Yeah, and I and I, they were interesting endings. They were endings I had not seen before. So, mm, you know, yeah. another one oh. that implies that the bucket is maybe evil. Yeah, that's another one that I got with the bucket, and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this bucket. Like, oh, yep. something sinister is going on with this bucket. Um, yep. Yeah. What else? I don't know. I have. I am looking at my notes. I did take notes for this one. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit already. Um. But do you think that the 
having the bucket endings uh, add anything other to the add anything like improve the original game in any way besides having more of it? Um, not really. I would say I think they're a little bit better, and I think that's like nine years later better. <laughs> just yeah, just having improved <laughs> as a game designer and writer. Yeah, yeah, but. For me, they worked great because I, I needed a refresher from the old game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to say pretty much the same thing. And I, I think implicitly agree with you, Kyla. Uh, no, I don't think that the bucket adds anything other than more game. But some of the bucket endings... I think yeah, are sometimes, really, really sometimes quality. Sometimes more game is what you want. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that the 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 ultra deluxe does add more than that, but yeah. in the stuff other than the bucket. Yeah. And I mean, I I also agree, but I also think that's kind of the point. I guess is that like, right. oh, here's more game. You want more game? Here's more game. Um, even if it's not necessarily any anything better. But it's more for uh, yeah. for people like me who are uh, driven by forces beyond their <laughs> comprehension. Uh, <laughs> no, there's I mean, still a bunch of bucket endings that I haven't gotten, and now I I actually feel better about going back and getting them. So that might be my afternoon today. Yeah, the writing is still great. The narration is still amazing. It's just more Stanley Parable. Yes. Yeah, and again, like if if you really loved the original Stanley Parable, then I feel like. Having more of it is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, I did kind of get an impression, and this might just be, you know, entirely me projecting. Um, but like as a as a game designer, when you get to the point where you've had a distance of several years from a game you've made, um, you always start thinking about like, if I could go back and keep working on it, I would add this, or like, I, mm -hmm. you know, oh had this great idea it's too bad i didn't have that idea while i was still making the game that would have been a great addition to the game and so like especially when he got to the point of like you know i'm gonna make the stanley parable too i have a loose co collection of interesting concepts and features mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that i think will be great it made me wonder like how much of this is just like in the intervening nearly decade how much of this was the two game designers going like, oh, this would have been really funny. We should have done that. Or like, oh, you know, I had the greatest idea. It's a shame we're not working on Stanley Parable anymore. And then mm -hmm. just have, needing an excuse to actually want to put all those things in the game. I would wager like probably 80%. It's just that. <laughs> and then the remaining 20% is new ideas that came up while they were working on Ultra Deluxe. Um, yeah, right, right. But I think that's kind of the beauty of a game like this, is that you can't... I mean, I'm not smart, so I can't come up with a way to, like, make a, you know, air quotes, proper sequel. I think this is kind of the only way that you can do that with something like this, is you really have to acknowledge the original content and just kind of remix it. And I think... I, I don't think there's a better way that they could have gone about um, yeah. doing something like this. Yeah, because you can't just re-release it because the whole point is is the you know the novelty and the surprise. Um, yeah. So it's a it's a game that is defined by how it's in conversation with itself. So if you mm -hmm. re-release it, that has to be part of yeah. what yes. it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it made me, in a way, resentful is the wrong word. Jealous a little bit, maybe, of mm. the because, like, as an artist, you you know, your art is never finished. You never want mm-hmm. to release it because you want to just keep working on it. And so the idea of like getting a chance to go back and like remake the uh, update the art to be more like you want it to be today is like mm-hmm. feels like it feels like cheating, right? It feels like <laughs> hey, uh, most of us don't get to do that. Like you have the benefit of having made an extremely meta game that can get away with it by acknowledging this, but like <laughs> most of us wouldn't be able to get away with that. Yeah. Right. I think it feels like cheating, but and I don't have any specific examples to cite. Um, with this impression that I have, but I, I feel like a lot of times when people do try to do something like this, it doesn't work. Um, this definitely feels mm. like an outlier. Like, you know, revisiting something that, you know, was previously, air quotes, completed or at least released, um, I feel like doesn't usually go very well. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that this worked as well as it did um, seems like, you know, sort of an atypical outcome. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think I would have liked this game more if I'd only played it for, like, two hours instead of six. But I think then I wouldn't have gotten the epilogue, and the epilogue was one of my favorite parts. So, Mm -hmm. Kyla, what if you had played it for an hour or two a day, you know, for a, a week or something? Well, I didn't. I I kind of did. Like, I didn't play it in one okay. sitting. Um, I didn't play it enough times to get the yeah. to organically get the epilogue on my own. But I was only like one restart away right. when Got I it. when I looked it up. So yeah. Um, so I you know I played it across at least three or four sessions. Um, yeah. And it was nice to like go away and think like, oh, I haven't tried X. I wonder right. if X, you know, like what that ending will be like. Um, I wonder if part of it, and this is like, this is maybe going to sound braggy, but I also have like a really good memory for the most part. And I had very strong, vivid memories of the original, of watching you play the original Stanley Parable. So most of the endings that I ended up like refreshing myself on, I mostly had already remembered beat for beat. Like I probably didn't actually need to refresh on them. Yeah, I mean, I think you, it sounds like you had much clearer memories of those than I did. Yeah, uh, same. Which was probably, uh, again, like, I that maybe um, made it harder to enjoy that part of the experience. Yeah, because it, it felt like repetition, which is antithetical right. to what is what right, is joyful right. about the game. But, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe the game is trying to teach you to not approach games that way, right? Like to say that like, hey, maybe you should just follow your whims in a game and not approach it as a, a set of tasks that you have to do to see new content. Maybe that's like not a healthy way of looking at games. Um, do you, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something to that, Kyla. Although I do think there's an important distinction between a game that rewards a type of behavior and a game that tries to teach that behavior. And yeah. I, I, I do think that the Stanley Parable maybe rewards not trying to be so completionist um, uh, that you stop enjoying it. But I, I don't know that it does anything to actually like, actively it. encourage that behavior. It's just sort of if you don't do it, then you're going to have a worse time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, makes, me, makes me think of Undertale, which I feel like the... Uh, <laughs> 
the whole genocide ending exists to be like, well, you played this like you would play, like like you would grind an RPG. Are you happy with doing that? Does this feel like a good ins like like now there's literally nothing left. It's just going to end. Is that satisfying to you? Is that what you mm -hmm. came here for? Is that what you care about in games? <laughs> like it's it's very mm -hmm. confrontational in that way. Yes. Yeah. Um but yeah. Eh. I, I if it feels Oh no, go ahead Kyla, please. I, I was going to say I just I feel like I like this game on paper much more than I liked the experience of playing it. I think that's really fair. I think it is mm -hmm. a very heady kind of a game. And uh, and it, it has an on-paper appeal that is quite separate from the experience of actually playing the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, so I, I think you're probably yes. not unique in having that. Yeah, especially for game designers, I feel like if you're if like, you're interested in in sort of like unique games or meta commentary in games, that then especially this has a right. certain uh, shininess to it. Yeah, uh, if it feels like we're we're sort of wrapping up, I had taken some notes of just favorite moments from yeah, playing later. the game. Uh, and I don't know if anybody else can sort of like pull out some favorite moments. I would love to hear what what stood out to to people. But here's my little list. Um, uh, every pause button is a Roman numeral two. Uh, was a <laughs> was a flyer that was just on the ground in the like convention hall, the Stanley Parable two yep. convention hall. One of those just totally meaningless taglines. I found absolutely de delightful. Uh, in the memory zone at the beginning of the sort of museum, or I mean, not the, there is a Stanley Parable museum, so not that, but uh, in the uh, the memory zone area, um, at the beginning, there's some sort of like uh, awards up on the wall or on pedestals. And one of them is uh, the, yes. the Last of Us's BAFTA that is yeah. sort of like stolen. <laughs> And there's like a, a piece of paper taped over it that just says the Stanley Parable uh, on top of where it would say The Last of Us. Yeah, yep. that was that was great. I loved I really that. that. I thought that was really good. Yep. Um the the meeting room when it has been transformed into the figurine finders like meeting room, uh, where it's mm -hmm. it's got just all sorts of conspiracy theories and uh, where it gives you hints as to where to find the figurines and all of that stuff. I thought that was uh, just a, a very rich, dense, sort of little delightful area with lots mm -hmm. of uh, little jokes and things. Yeah, um, lots of stuff having to do with the figurines were very totally. good. Totally. It's very, oh, very good. By the way, okay, this is a completely throwaway question. Where do y'all stand? Uh, mini stands, figlerines, or, uh, or sorry, standlerines or figlies? I have always called them figlies in my head. Same. <laughs> like, I like mini stands. I think if, if I good. if I ever had to actually like uh, have a conversation about this, probably mini stands is how I would go. I like Stan Stanlerines because of how impossible to say it is. I guess uh, there was also like, one more. There was, I think it was figla and Lorenes. Yes, uh, yeah, was like yeah. the final portmanteau. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that was very good. Yeah, that that was a great part. Uh, 
Um, the okay, uh, uh, on my list still, uh, com the calming new age music, which was from the original, but is such a good gag. Uh, it still really gets me. Yeah. This is if you try to rush, um, the the keypad, then oh, uh, yeah. it will force you to sit back and just wait for a little while, um, because you went too fast. Uh, and play some calming new age music. That's great. Uh, when you go into the sort of like second room of the boss's office or the the like the back room of the boss's office, uh, there's a big oil painting of a, a gun to a panda's head that says business strategy. <laughs> business strategy, yes. Um, that is also from the original, but that is mm -hmm. amazing. I love that. And then uh, my last one is... At the culmination, uh, I think of the uh, the figurine sort of ending um, when you get to this room where there's a TV uh, that is just showing, you know, the view of your of the game through your monitor uh, and a sign that says you are in the present. Uh, I really liked the sort of like, you know, being in the present in that room, mm -hmm. the self self-reflective nature of it. Yeah, and then you and then you go to the past, and then you go and to the, the past. Yeah, yeah, and then the narrator wants to relive it all over again. Um, yeah. Similar to the the calming new age music, there's a there's a similar thing that happens in the press conference without the bucket ending, where you keep going back up and down the stairs, and the narrator's like, Stanley, I cannot believe the things that you're doing. Like narratively, they're so they're so rich and dense. Like I need to take a moment <laughs> to reflect, and it does a similar thing to the calming new age music, where it it shows i don't remember what the text on the on the box is but it's one of those little like like gravity water birds like the thing that tips over um it's an animation of that with just like some music playing and he's like okay i've <laughs> i've come to terms with what you're doing here you take another couple steps and he says no 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 i got to i got to think about this some more it it does that i think twice um i i feel i feel like moments where you're interrupted by the narrator for for stuff like that is always generally pretty good Mm -hmm. um, I really, so, I still really like the fern. Nine years fern. later, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this fern will be very important later in the game. Be sure to memorize every detail. Yep, that is that is a very good joke. Um, I've already like mentioned a couple of my favorite moments, like the the rocket uh, in the epilogue. But um, some that we haven't mentioned yet include uh, the infinite hole. Um, yes. Which I like. I was honestly kind of sad that I couldn't find it again in the like when I was going Me through. Me too. The I'm like, Same. you put everything else from the Stanley Parable two in here. What? No infinite hole. Where's the oh infinite hole? I know. I was um, really looking forward to the infinite hole. Because uh, that was like a, a weird experience. You drop in and suddenly you can like change the camera and the music and your avatar. And it's like, it was it was a very surreal experience, which I liked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the In the figurines um, ending, where we're like going back and enjoying where we found all the figurines, the pink mm -hmm. room that you never see anywhere else. Oh, yes! Yes. Where he's like, this is a great room. Well, like, a really solid room. I don't remember it, but I guess we must have been here because we're revisiting memories. I'm not sure if, like... this, if this was, like, a deliberate thing, but I, I have a memory in my mind of a room almost exactly like that. And I, I'm probably just, like, 
kind of uh, conflating the two, but I feel like there's a, a, a sequence almost exactly like that room in um, Twin Peaks The Return, like a very similar kind of mauve space Ooh. that is a little bit like outside of reality. Um, and I don't know if that if that was like maybe like a nod yeah. to that or if I'm just seeing things parallels well, that are not necessarily you oh. know in existence. But either way, that's what that made me think of. The the giant apple made me think of super liminal. Yeah. Um, which it could also be a reference mm -hmm. to, but I, it made me wonder if it wasn't like a hidden room in the first game or something that I just didn't know about that they were making reference to. But I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just a made-up room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, so as well. Um, there's the also other... the the video that the narrator makes to oh my gosh, the oh, the best. <laughs> oh, to commemorate the time that you found the that, that you found thing. the figurine. Yes, very good. Yeah. Yeah, that then that plays, and then when you on the way back plays again, but sped up. Yeah. Um, another another fun moment. Um, did anyone else get the uh, the instructional video on comedic timing? Yeah. I don't think so. No. I don't think that so either. That one's very good. Um, I believe that is the bucket version of the unplug the phone ending. Okay. Mm, okay. Sense. Uh, no, I didn't do that. Um, yeah. Did you guys yeah, make it to the bottom of the mind control factory uh, facility? Yes, I did that one. That's a great song. Uh, yeah, I didn't do that one either. Um, I became aware yeah, of that the... when I looked at the flowchart, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do yeah. that one because yeah, that's, that's the that's the no that's the no bucket bottom of the uh, bottom of the thing ending. Yeah. Um, I forgot about the song. You're right. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the unplug the phone with the bucket ending, you get to watch a, um, an instructional video on comedic timing and it, they do it as one of those like old, like fifties slide reel, you know, uh, radio voice kind of thing. Okay, so and it's, 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 it's similar just... to like when you do it without the bucket where like, here's a, an instructional video on the nature of making choices or something like that. I think if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe. I don't remember what that one was without the right. bucket, but yeah. Um, it's, and you know, obviously all of the uh, instructions it tells you to do for comedic timing are, are completely nonsensical, but mm -hmm. I found it quite funny. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting quite a list of yeah. uh, things that I need to go back and, and try and to try. find. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend that one. There's a lot of good jokes, but what really got me, and I don't even think it's funny, it's the ending with a bucket where Stanley dies, and you get like the, presented the Mariella. In Mariella. Yeah. And in the very end, he just mentioned that she backflipped off to work. Yeah, that's yes. You. Yep. yep. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> It's yeah. a good, like, completely needless detail that's just, yep. it's, there's, like, no good read. Like, it doesn't match any of the rest of the story. It's not important. It's just a weird detail that's kind of, yeah, like, wonderfully hilarious. Yeah. And clearly she exists in a world in which everyone has a bucket. <laughs> so, like, it's, yeah. it's, different, it's different from our world in many subtle, small ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, like, last last things we do are talk about the sort of 
like graphics and sound design and and music. I don't know if that's really relevant here, but I mean, I, they are what they need to be. Yeah, I think there were, for the most part, it's, you know, the music is not particularly noticeable, but there were definitely times where the sound design really stood out to me. Um, the f first one was in the, the skip button ending, where, uh, you know, as, as time continues to go on, it and uh, apparently the world outside is just deteriorating, like just the noises that you hear oh, yeah. outside um, are pretty terrifying. Really, really mm -hmm. jarring. And then the other one was um, at the beginning of like the um, the very bizarre infinite hole ending where the hole just starts to sort of elevate her down. I just remember there's like a music cue, a really subtle one that, that like builds up. So at first it's like, wait, what what is like, I remember pressing my headphone cups like to my ears to be like, is that the game or is that like coming from the living room um, that that, you know, sort of builds as the uh, the infinite hole continues nice. to elevate you down. Um, but that was another one that stuck out to me. It was like a weird noise and then it became music. I don't know. Um, that was another one. And then I, those are the only times that it really, uh, I guess speaking apart of from this... all the gag music, there's a lot of gag music yeah. in this as there well. Is, there's some good gag music that like when you get that extra elevator that's in this game where you mm -hmm. get on and like the narrator's like quietly humming along with the elevator music. Yes. I did yes. like that. Um, did uh, speaking of uh, sound cues uh, or sound design, did anyone else get to the whiteboard room? Which whiteboard room? There's a there's a it's it says that there's a it's like a small closet like room with a whiteboard on it that says whiteboard ending. Oh yeah, oh, I don't think I got that one. No, no. it's it's um, when you start in the blue office, right? Yeah, if you get the the sometimes they randomly mm -hmm. start you in like slightly different rooms, and one of them is a mm -hmm. blue room. And in the blue room, there's like another door you can go into that's like not the main, uh, you know, that one of the places that like opens, like most doors don't open, but there's a door that opens and it's just a little tiny room with a whiteboard in it that says whiteboard ending. And there's a little checkbox on the whiteboard that lets you change all of the click noises to dog barks. Oh, <laughs> now I got to get that. Amazing. So forever, forever, for the rest of the game, the rattling doorknob noise will be, uh, or, or you know, typey keyboard noise will be a dog bark. Oh, speaking Funny. of whiteboards, and um, it's it's a, it, the checkbox is dog mode, yes. um, which I guess is a reference to like a god mode thing from the original. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of whiteboards, I will say this is uh, another another way that um, the the like completionist have to see all the content thing is rewarded, and I will I will. Like, this is the gun that I will stick to. It is never not rewarding to look at all of the whiteboards in any game with whiteboards mm -hmm. so that you can read the text. I will do that for every whiteboard, and I am never disappointed. Just going to put that out there for anybody who wants to, to look at more whiteboards in games in their life. Um, this one has a lot, of course. The other one that I'm thinking of that has a lot is um, Control. has a shit ton of whiteboards mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff written on them, and it's yeah. a lot of times great. So uh, super liminal, if I recall, yes. also had some pretty fun whiteboards. Mm -hmm. Whiteboards and just like random magazines, um, notes put up on cork boards, anything like that. If there's readable text, your girl's gonna read it. So yep. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's it's a good place for like designers to blow off some steam by putting jokes that they know a lot of people aren't gonna see. Yeah. So a lot there of was... times you'll get some of the weirder jokes there. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was a great one in um in the Stanley Parable 2 like office of like here's a bunch of great sequels and, like Divinity Original Sin 2, Batman Arkham Asylum 2 parentheses city. <laughs> um that one really made me laugh. And then there were yeah. several other sequels, but the the Batman Arkham Asylum 2 parentheses city was I think my favorite one. So yeah, yeah. that's very good. Yeah, I, I, there there was at least one sequel that was like something that had been incredibly panned, but I forget what it was. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head either. Uh, yeah, I am going to spend the rest of the afternoon playing this, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. There's still there's still content. I think to see. Uh, it was uh, Dark Souls Two. Oh yeah, that's the one. Probably, I know. I know Dark was Souls Two was. Panned? It was. I don't know if it was widely panned, but I know it was not well received. Um, yeah, I and I think to date, I know a lot of people, I, a lot of like people that I am friends with are much more into FromSoft games than I am. And I think the consensus generally is that Dark Souls 2 is like the worst one. So, or Aladdin 2. Aladdin, that's it. It was Aladdin no. 2 Return of Jafar no, was listed wrong, there. Wrong. You're all wrong. Return of Jafar is great. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 direct to VHS sequels of Aladdin are all good. Shut up. <laughs> um, I'll even I'll even go in on Aladdin oh, and the King of Thieves. I, like, I found <laughs> I found the uh I found a, a screenshot of it. So sequels are good. They list Portal Two, Half Life Two, Batman Arkham Asylum Two, City, uh, Parentheses City, Divinity Original Sin Two, Doom Two, Aladdin Two, Return of Jafar, and Dark Souls Two. Wasn't Doom 2 also like a horrible flop, or am I oh. making things up? I think you're making things up. Okay. I thought there was like a Doom 2 that came out shortly after the original Doom that's like largely not remembered, but... Uh... There's a lot of versions of Doom, and it's very hard for me to remember what all of them actually are, and whether or not they're like actual sequels, or if they're remakes for other plot. Like, yeah, Doom is, Doom is a, a many-headed beast, certainly. But... Now I'm there just are, thinking about Return of Jafar. There are a surprisingly large number of screenshots of the... Oh my goodness. Is there just... The wiki just has a Older page whiteboards. for whiteboards. A page for whiteboards that's just got pictures of a bunch of the whiteboards. Oh, it's like it was made for me. <laughs> Targets. Push for funding for R&D of new coffee machine. Uh, standard... Graphs 40 times wide, not cost efficient. Get Chris out of the broom closet. Synergize <laughs> papers. Ongoing. Hire someone to synergize papers. Papers are papers too synergized. Too synergized. <laughs> fire yes. paper guy. Hire somebody to fire the paper synergizing guy. Who moved my desk? Please keep the targets on the topic of and then that's erased. Uh, there was another great one in that room that was like the, the monthly meeting planner. And I remember one very distinctly that was like, the meeting is like, what do we do about number 432? Yes. Parentheses, <laughs> don't tell 432 about this. Yep, I'm looking at that one now. Um, yeah. The, uh, the uh, second meeting of the day is, uh, per day of the week, is Marketing Mondays, Termination Tuesdays, yes. We're Broke Wednesdays, Mergers, and uh, Pranking Floors Meeting. I remember, I think towards the bottom of that, there's like a pre-review for the review and then the review or something like yep, that. Yep, yep. Uh, pre-review of the weekly review and then office party. 
is the next yeah. uh well no i guess the the pre-review of weekly review is thursday afternoon and then friday morning is weekly review and then mm-hmm. friday afternoon is office party 451's private time is also on this yeah. calendar <laughs> yeah financial panic meeting financial panic meeting i think is my favorite <laughs> pretty good so another yeah. thing i had noted or i have in my notes is like setting the clock at the beginning of the game is probably one of my favorite like tone setters for a game because mm-hmm. it really puts you in like the mindset of stanley parable Mm-hmm. To Hell start off with like a small sheep gag before yep. you even get into the menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very good. And I remember the first time I opened it doing the gamma slider thing and thinking, what on earth is in the Stanley parable that requires a <laughs> fine tuned gamma setting? <laughs> yeah. And That's also a setting great the point. And, and setting the clock and thinking like can't they just use my system clock for this? Yeah. Like, what? Like the game has access to the system clock, presumably. Like, why do I need to set this? Yeah, my yeah. assumption was that I would be punished um, by, if, if I had put in the incorrect time, I would be berated for not putting in the correct time because the game does have access to the clock. Yeah. Um, but then that ended up, like I said, I think, I think that whole little side bit was one of my favorite additions. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're especially... punished if you don't set the clock. That's true. Are you? Like, if you just leave it at 12, you get, like, a smaller dialogue. That's, that's like, being annoyed at you? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. That, that, um, that is pretty much what I would expect from the Stanley Parable. Yeah. But, yeah. Any, any other, like, last thoughts? I think we sure did talk about this one. It's a it's it's a game that like I respect a lot and I'm mm-hmm. like glad it exists and I'm glad someone made it um and I I wish I had a little more fun playing it than I actually did mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, that does not diminish my respect for the game. Yeah. And not I, only I that but I I'm I'm glad that it has been so well received um in the past and and now in the present because yeah. I think this is a a good thing to to you know be accepted i guess if if this had been like horribly panned um or if it you know was horribly panned now i feel like i feel like that's uh that's not conducive well. to the kind yeah it's like it's not conducive to the kind of risk taking that that i like to see um, yeah. in in games and in media in general yeah and i think so. a lot of other games definitely like were inspired by this game and and mm-hmm. you know it, it it taught people to thought to think a little more meta level of games and a lot more games had more sort of meta level concepts mm-hmm. um after this so i think that's important yes. part of me wishes it was a little bit more like the beginner's guide which is i think a, a shorter you know tighter experience but also mm-hmm. i don't know if this game could be that without losing what makes it the stanley parable so because you know the the whole point is is choice and openness and having a bunch of different things you could try so Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I think I agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, looking at the beginner's guide and also looking at uh Dr. Langus Langus Languskov, Languskov, yeah. Um, you know, I think good good examples of what these developers can do with 
shorter, tighter, sort of more specific experiences that are in some ways better for that. Um, But uh, yeah, they're not my, but are not this exactly aren't Mm -hmm. this. And, and my sort of bottom line on the ultra deluxe is that I think they managed to, to be extremely successful. Uh, not necessarily creating a game that is going to be universally loved or universally enjoyed, but a game that I feel pretty solidly. If you, if you like the Stanley parable, you're going to enjoy that. There is this new thing that expands it, that uh, you're going to enjoy sort of, it, it is more of that. It is, it's more of that and not in a way that just feels tired. Um, yeah. But sort of properly expands on it yeah and i think i said this last time but in in retrospect as well the uh if you take a venn diagram of the beginner's guide and dr langeskoff this game is like exactly that overlap <laughs> like right. it's yeah. so yeah. much it's so much the combination of both those games <laughs> like yeah yep another thing i think about you know about this and about the original uh, i feel like it's a good accessible sort of entry point for you know people who normally wouldn't play these kinds of you know more metatextual more introspective narratively games um that i i think this this game in particular at least um got a lot more people in the door than many of the other games that we've mentioned probably would have i know i i think the beginner's guide was definitely not so well received and I think a lot of that is because people were expecting more of the Stanley Parable and instead are getting a much more introspective um, yeah. companion piece, almost. It, it really feels like a companion piece to me now, having having played this again and having played The Beginner's Guide. Well, it's not, not comedic. Recently. I mean, yeah, I think exactly. the Stanley Parable, it, it, that, it is a style of humor that might not hit for everybody, but it is... It is comedic, at least. It is a comedy uh, game, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that lightness is what probably would go a long way towards, um, like I said, getting someone in the door who maybe wouldn't have opened the door yeah. in, in the first place. Yeah, and right. and um, somebody somebody who like wouldn't play a Dear Esther might play a Stanley yeah. Parable. Right. For sure. All right. Yeah. That's the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Um, which I'm, I'm glad I had a, an excuse to play. It felt like something I should play. Yeah, same. I, I agree. And I don't know that I would have played it if, if we hadn't decided to play it for the podcast. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad we did. Um, and now all those memories of me actually making those decisions can be real memories and not just fabricated ones. <laughs> yes, the, the timeline has been restored. Yep. Now all we have to do is do a podcast on uh, Opus Magnum. Um, which I have long convinced myself we already <laughs> talked about, but we didn't. No, we haven't. No, because we, I'm, from I'm, dust. I'm so yeah, from dust was the one. Um, no, that we too. haven't done Opus Magnum because I'm so resistant to playing Opus Magnum. It's so intimidating to me, and I don't know why. Um, I mean, probably because yeah. it's it's just a pure like execution puzzle. Yeah, and I no. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of patience for that kind of thing if there's not also like a narrative attached. Um, yeah, that's fair. And there that's... is a narrative, but it's uh, you have to get through the puzzles to get to the narrative. So, uh, look, one day I promise we will do Opus Magnum. 
Um, it's it's fine if we don't. I, I love it. I love it, and I think it's a great game. I don't know how much we'd actually have to say on it. Like, it's a programming game, and it's a very cool programming game that like lets you think of it in a in a you know slightly less programmingy way. And like, there's not a ton to say about it other than that. That's I think. Fair. I still feel there's like a... I need to. Um, sorry. I, I I still feel like I need to atone for arcane golf. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no, just there's a narrative that goes along with Opus Magnum, but it is not the the part of it that I have played is not especially noteworthy. So compelling, it's, yeah. I, no, it's it's, yeah. it's a string. It's a string for the beads that are the puzzles, basically. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, and it, to be fair, I think you would actually do okay with it, Kelso. Like, it's the the puzzles don't get really like tricky, difficult, like um, lots of because most of the puzzles like you just have to find a solution, and like they give you a scoreboard on how good your solution was, but you don't like any solution is acceptable. So it's not until like after the main story when you're doing like optional side stuff that they get to the things where there's like really tricky, um, like. Uh, not requirements. What's the word? Constraints. There's like okay. some really tricky constraints on it. So okay, um, it's 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 the old like C's get degrees approach to um <laughs> to puzzle yeah. solving. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and when you when you make something really clever and efficient, you feel real good about it. Uh, if it's like beautiful and elegant, but it is not required to be beautiful and elegant. I'm gonna say it's one of my one of the best things I've ever done is gotten a record in one of the Sectronics games. Yeah. Yes, I, I will keep that forever. Yeah, you feel real good about yourself. No, <laughs> yeah. so what's great is that um, the, uh, the CTO of my company where I work also plays this game, so I get to see, so, and he's like hardcore engineer type, so I get to see his solutions and use those as my benchmark for trying to be like efficient and clever. Um, but anyway, mm -hmm. sorry, that's not the game we're playing. Yeah, this has been a tangent, but eventually, look, eventually we're going to play Opus Magnum. I'm going to say, let's do it. <laughs> the game we're playing next is Oli Oli World by Roll7 and published by Private Division. And it's a skateboard game. Yeah, which I have never played a skateboard game. I have never heard of this game, but... We haven't played a little action game in a while, so why not? It's a 2D skateboard game. At least the old game was. And I don't know much more. I think this one is also still... I don't think this one is 2D, but I think it's like a 2.5D side scroll. It's like, it's still a side scroller. Yeah, it's 3D models. Yeah. Using the fire engine. Interesting. Yeah, I... Why? Um... I, I haven't played much of the of the series. I played a little bit of like the first one because I think it got ported to the 3DS. I don't remember much about it, but I, 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 I everybody who I know who has played the Ollie Ollie games really, really loves them. So, so this should be good. I'm expecting it. It'll be good. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. It visually it reminds me a lot of um, uh, of Minute of Islands, which is is curious and yeah. interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, that is very I was to look colorful. The last game that I would unequivocally call a an action game that we played was Hades. 
which granted was only like four episodes ago, but uh, for us, that's like months. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Ollie Ollie World. Ollie Ollie World. Absolutely. Um, so that we will play yeah. that hopefully over the next two weeks, um, assuming that nothing comes up. There is a small chance if like things go exactly wrong and stuff comes up for other people on certain weekends, there is a chance we could end up like not podcasting until mid-July because <laughs> I have a thing in early July. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't think I have anything coming up. So. Actually, actually, so we had to delay because of me, because I had family commitments that I uh, forgot about. I didn't realize that it was Memorial Day weekend. It really snuck up on me. I thought I had another week. But this lined it up really well, because next weekend, I also have family commitments. So we're, we're in an okay place right now. So fingers yeah. crossed. All right. Yeah, so hopefully two weeks to play that. Uh, and as usual, uh, if you, like Sean, are like, hey, maybe I should come on the podcast and talk with these people... You can do that. Like, we accept guests. All you yeah. gotta do is, like, come poke us on Twitter or on the Discord. Uh, and we are more than happy to have people talk about games with us. Yes. Uh, and how do they do that, Kelso? You can you can do that by um, going, I guess the easiest way to go to Twitter, um, at FeedbackForce. And there you will also find the link to the Discord. I'll make sure I post it this week. I don't post it every week. Um, but it's there. It'll be there. Um, yeah, so you can do those things. You can you can say, hey, maybe I can do this episode next time. And we'll say, yeah, yeah, you can. It's that easy. It's, it's literally that easy. Um, so yeah, that's the best way to uh, to keep up to date with the pod. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at Kelso Time Bomb. That's it. I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> to promote. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, or you can purchase my game, Wintermore Tactics Club on uh steam and i think we're gonna we're either already on gog or gonna be on gog soon um you can get it on consoles uh all of the all of the three modern ones and uh and yeah it's a good game and you you might like it and you should check it out i'm looking to see if it's on gog right now uh it is nice yeah. If you want, you can follow me on my Twitter at skug3. And Sean, uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Not really plug. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ndef. Uh, I I've been working on some stuff that's unreleased, so maybe in the future. In the meantime, I've got some older games on HIO, but yeah, not not really anything to plug right now. Uh, can, I will you can say plug the uh, the the cosmonaut games. Yeah, uh, the the Cosmonet games, uh, Cosmonet and From Ivan, uh, are uh, are up there on my HIO page, um, and those are fun. Those are just fun little games that you can play. Also, the um, Claxo Radio Hour is great, uh, mm -hmm. and that's up there too. Uh, so if you haven't played any of those, then go check them out. They're all pay what you want, so you can just uh, download and play them. They're yeah. short little fun uh, narrative games. I did uh, um, I did Claxo Radio Hour on uh, one of my bus rides home on my commute. <laughs> it was great. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad. <clears throat> um, no, I, I just want to say it's been absolutely delightful. Uh, thank you all, friends, for having me on. Uh, this was a lot of fun.
Yeah, thanks from, so much for joining us. We we love having guests in general, and we like having you in particular, since technically this is your community podcast. Yeah. Well, it's been my and I look forward to uh, to coming on again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Great. thanks everybody, and yeah, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Be back on time, hopefully. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.